I'm not sure I've ever felt more back. Today's Monday, April 3rd, just baseball show. Got two of the three of us, which is a little change up, Jack and Peter. It was really fun to like. So I got to call my first three games of the season this weekend, which was awesome. But then I would come back and I would turn on the late slate. And dude, just sitting on my ass watching baseball, it was awesome. And what's so great about that, too, we have a takeaway from every single team because there's interesting storylines kind of sprinkled throughout the first couple of games. It's fun to kind of overreact, but there are some things that we might have predicted that are already looking good or things that we didn't that are not looking so good. Right. And we did takeaways after opening day, too. We did it with Ryan Finkelstein. We did, you know, predictions pretty much for opening day. Um, But now it's like a little bit larger sample and then we'll go almost game by game. But it's kind of nice to take those overreactions from the weekend because they are a little, I not extrapolated, but but the sample is just larger. Like the Cubs, their struggle four through nine in that lineup all of a sudden is over three games instead of one. You know what I mean? So now there's a little bit more validity to our claims, which is good. And it feels so good to sweat out bets again. I can't lie. So can't lie. you obviously you rode Cal Quantrill. Um, I just told you that the splitter changeup type thing that uh, Trevor Steffen threw to Eugenio Suarez in the 10th on Sunday was just ungodly. And and the Guardians get that win again. And that was a game that looked like they were going to lose. And then all of a sudden, the Guardians offense scores. The bullpen doesn't allow runs. And here we go. Cal Quantrill gets another uh, win under his belt, even though he doesn't get the actual decision. Yes. So that's the point of Cal Quantrill. You know, people come after me. They're like, oh, so you think he's the best pitcher alive? You think he's the ace? Yes, of course. I joke around and I say, yes, he's the best pitcher alive. But the point of Cal Quantrill, it's more of a symbol for something. It's a symbol for how the Guardians play when he steps on the mound. He led all major league pitchers last year in run support. The pitchers that come behind him are amazing. We saw that bullpen on full display today, or excuse me, on Sunday. We're recording on Sunday, but yeah. uh, for Monday, of course, like you mentioned it yourself, Stefan with that splitter. How about Heron coming in, that lefty who retired four straight with four strikeouts, De Los Santos, Eli Morgan, Nick Sandlin, friend of the podcast. So while Quantrill is 14th in ERA since 2021, the great part about him is the Guardians are always into it. And that speaks to the Guardians yeah. that no matter what game, no matter if they're down, their bullpen can shut the door and they piece together runs like nobody's business. The Guardians, you know, they're one of my favorite win total bets on the season, 86 and a half. They're not a team that the that models or, you know, professional sports bettors tend to love. Yeah. But they win games. Because they're gritty. And also, shout out Kyle Taylor, Kyle Taylor Art, Kyle Taylor Portraits. I know you got your Mark Burley, and it's I assume it's amazing. 
Yes, it's awesome. I, I still have to hang it, but he's got Cal, Mookie, and Shohei behind Peter on YouTube. Um, and then I've got Burley that I, I have to hang. It was a long weekend, so I will uh, I will certainly be hanging it today. But Kyle Taylor is awesome. He is an excellent listener, and he is an amazing artist. So if Go you... check out his Twitter in yeah. our episode description. You guys got to go check out his art. As you can see from my wall, and you'll see on Jack's wall soon, they're fantastic, and he personalizes them, and they just look great, right? They, they're real art pieces, and... I'm so happy to have the three goats behind me. You have Mookie Betts off to a great start. You have Shohei Otani looking like the best pitcher alive, and he's hitting close to 400. And then you have the greatest pitcher alive behind me. I get it, man. I get it. All right, we are going to roll through every team. Peter's got the American League. I've got the National League. But before we get to that, I have a simple question that is very complicated. Was Jack Flaherty good? in his first start of the season on Saturday. It was a four to one win for St. Louis. Now, before you answer that, let's walk through the line. Jack Flaherty, five innings, no hits, no runs, seven walks, a hit batter, four strikeouts. He threw 95 pitches in five innings, 49 of which for strikes. That's a 51% strike rate. Average for a starting pitcher is around 66%. So he had zero command. He allowed eight base runners. His whip is at 1.4, but he threw five no-hit shutout innings. So Peter, did he throw well on Saturday? I think you could look at it through two different angles. Angle number one, you expect Jack Flaherty. He's been healthy this past offseason, and he was projected to be a very good starter he didn't have his command there. He got the ground ball when needed, but you expect much more from a guy like Jack Flaherty. So in that lens, you could say, no, he didn't pitch very well. The command wasn't there. He got outs when he needed to. No hits is no hits, which is great, but you can't call that a good start if you have seven walks. Angle number two, right? He's a guy who has been dealing with injuries and injuries and injuries, it seems like, over and over again. I think his last healthy Full healthy season was back, what, 2019, maybe? I think that was really his last full healthy season on the St. Louis Cardinals. And his command wasn't there, and he still got the outs when he needed to. I think that's the point. And you maybe people were worried about a velocity drop-off, right? It was like, well, he's 89 to 90. But to me, it looked like he was varying his velocity, right? Maybe he was trying new things. Because he was up to almost 95 miles an hour, but some of his slower fastballs were 88. Now, I'm not used to that with Jack Flaherty. Could that be an injury thing that was still hurting him today? It could be, but he got the outs when he needed, and I was excited to watch him pitch because he's a guy that I think is a huge X factor for the Cardinals, right? Because if he can be the really strong number two that he was, that's a huge get for the Cardinals. And the fact that he came up, showed up, and didn't allow a hit, I thought was very impressive considering the circumstances that he was coming in with to the game. So you're more in the second camp than the first camp is what it sounds like. I am in the second camp because I didn't assume that he would dominate. I guess it's like, what was your expectations for the start? I had none. Okay. My expectations were I didn't think he'd pitch all that well. I thought he'd look really rusty, and he did look rusty with the command. 
But I think what that start showed is that he's got so much talent in the tank. It's just about finding it. It's about being fully healthy for him. I don't think anyone can debate that he's incredibly talented. Yeah, no, he's talented, but talent needs command as well. Like in order to be truly good or great, you need to have a nice combination of command and the God-given ability that you have. And and he showcased his God-given ability. He showcased a nice pitch mix. It was good to see that Jack Flaherty back. But seven walks in five innings, I think is like unacceptable, especially with a hit batter too. Like eight free passes in five innings is egregious. And, And I thought, you know, even in terms of pitch economy, like over 90 pitches through five, that's not what you want, but you can survive it if you are not putting yourself in positions where you could get burned badly. Felt like every inning he was in a position to get burned badly. He didn't, which I appreciate, and I can say that he had a good outing because he did not get burned badly. And listen, like the ERA is at 0.00. I am all for limiting run accumulation. Like that is the goal of pitching. So in that lens, I appreciate what he did. But I'm also of the thinking that you cannot play with fire for that long. Because if he was out there for one more hitter, he might have gotten fucked. You know what I mean? So like eight free passes in five innings is crazy. The other thing that I want to point to is we had like a kind of subdued version of this conversation in regards to Hunter Green last year, who threw seven to third no hit in Pittsburgh in May. Do you remember that? He walked five. Yeah, I remember when he first came up, the command was all over the place. So I don't remember that specific start, but I remember the conversation of being like, when I look at Hunter Green, he's 100 with the slider, setting yeah. records for hitting 100 miles an hour in a game. I think it was 30-plus in one start. But he didn't know where it was going. And then we saw him settle into you know, a really nice second half. So sure. could this be Flaherty, right? The talent is there. He had the confidence of, even if I allow some runners on base, I know that against any team on the planet i can get them out considering this was not seven eight walks no hits against the a's right this was against the blue jays and the blue jays can really hit which so is why, why i can appreciate like I also thought it was pretty impressive what he did considering the circumstances mm, so i can appreciate the no runs thing because it's the jays but again like i just can't wrap my head around thinking that eight free passes is like, Hey, great outing, man. Like I'm not, I'm not the first one. That's like you kicked ass tonight because I think Jack, I'm not saying that either. No, I know. I know. Um, I'm just saying like, I, I won't, if we entertain dialogue about like, did Hunter green have a good outing when he walked five in seven and a third, no hit and threw 118 pitches, but got into the eighth. If we are like even having the conversation, like maybe he didn't have a great outing, even though it was, you know, no hit, um, I don't think we can say that Flaherty had a good outing. You know what I mean? Because like, I don't, I don't know. There's something about pitching into the eighth versus like getting through five and being in crap situations every inning. Uh, yes. No. Like, I'm not here to say that Jack Flaherty had this fantastic start. No, what but he didn't I pitch terribly to, either. What I am here to say is he's a huge X factor. I can't speak for the guy, but I assume as he walks off the field, he shakes Ollie Marmel's hands. He gets high fives in the dugouts. 
and he looks up at the scoreboard and sees zero hits after dealing with years of injuries and not looking like himself after he gave up eight walks, there has to be a level of confidence there. We saw the confidence early on when he posted that, you know, that hype video for himself. Right. So I'm more looking forward to next starts, right? And I think that was important for him. And it might end up proving to be actually better than a five innings, five hits, two run outing. For sure. Because it's a confidence builder, right? Like, you know, against the Blue Jays, I allowed seven walks and one hit by pitch, and I didn't allow a hit or a run. Like, I got it. It's yeah. just about finding the strikes and making that adjustment. And I think he does as long as his arm is at full health. Yeah, but my thing is, like, you need to twist it just enough for it to look wholly positive. You know what I mean? Like, let's say I'm not calling it wholly positive. I know, I'm not. I know. But I'm, I'm I'm saying I'm much more positive than I think most people are and way more positive than I think people who just looked at the box score. Cause I know we both watched the game and watching Flaherty work through those things. I came away confident in the guy. Yeah. And I think I, that was my point. I guess I didn't. And that's just where we disagree. Like, yeah. I just think he we'll was see. flirting with danger way too much, but we shall see. Um, yeah. And it's exciting, right? right? I, we're both rooting for him. Yeah. And I'm for also, sure. he's also a guy I played him in high school. He was the greatest athlete I think I've ever seen on the baseball field. And I just, I will admit, I have a rooting interest for the guy. I really hope that he's good. So maybe in my mind, I already go into his starts with a glass half full approach. But I don't think I'm being overly biased here by, you know, looking at the start, watching and being like, that was a good confidence builder. I'm very excited to see him in his next start. Yeah. I mean, I can see where you get some confidence, but like, Again, I just I can't buy into him feeling great going into the next outing because he allowed eight free passes. But that's it. Uh, so, again, very loaded. Uh, yes or no question. And I think both of our answer was yes and no. I think so, it's the most fascinating question of the weekend because yeah. you don't see stat lines like that. You don't see eight free passes and no hits. Like that just but, doesn't happen. But also sneaky. Like there were a lot of guys that walked the world this yeah. weekend. There were Man, a ton of three, four walk box scores. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the hell is in the water right now? You know what I fucking noticed? How many blue pits did you see? A lot. So many blue pits. You know why? Because like the second baseman about. isn't in shallow right field anymore. Exactly. I'm like, are these center fielders playing at the warning track? How are they not getting these balls? I'm like, wait a minute. They got a lot of a lot of ground to cover, and there's not yeah. infielders setting up camp. Welcome to baseball <laughs> in, the, in, in the middle of right field. So yes. those are things where I was like, "Oh, what what is this baseball?" I'm like, wait a minute, this is kind of awesome. It creates yeah. so much chaos. I love it, man. All right, um, main take. We'll go back and forth. We'll go yeah. in the east. We'll you know we'll go Yankees, and you go who whatever. And we'll just go back and forth. So I'm thinking we go divisions entirely. So like I'll go NL East, then you go AL East. I kind of want to switch back and forth. We got the back and forth. But like that like, could be confusing, right? Is it going to be confusing? It's like I feel when, like if you um, listen, if you listen to this podcast, I hope you know the divisions. Yes, but it could be confusing. It's like in the NCAA tournament, you know, you'll see it tonight in the national championship game, the men's national championship game. By the way, freaking awesome women's final four and national title game. Caitlin Clark is goaded. Those refs? Fuck them, dude. <laughs> 
Caitlin Clark has two more years of eligibility. Be very happy that she will probably be an Iowa Hawkeye for those two years. The Steph Curry of women's basketball. And I know everybody's saying that, but it's facts. She can drill a shot from anywhere. She's pulling up from the logo and she's got a dog at her. Crazy. But got it. my point is in the men's final four, when they do the intros, you will see a San Diego State player introduced and then a UConn player introduced. Wouldn't you just prefer to see the entire San Diego State starting five and then the entire UConn starting five? All right, fuck it. We'll just do whatever you want. Okay. All right. I'm going to go NL East first, and then you're going right. to go AL East. Perfect. Okay. Um, let me start here with the National League East as I pull it up on Microsoft OneNote, which is the best thing literally ever, and you cannot take it away from me ever. The Braves, you hope to God that Schuster bounces back and Dylan Dodd is ready to roll. Max Freed, he's not expected to miss any more than one or two starts. He'll probably go on the IL just for a little bit. But having an ace go on the IL on opening day is brutal. Schuster struck out one. He walked five against the Washington Nationals in four and two-thirds. Dodd starts in St. Louis. We saw how good that lineup is. I'm a little nervous for the young lefties after such a good spring. I'm just kind of nervous, but I'm kind of not. And I've talked about this before on the Just Baseball Show, right? The automatic system, and I had the under, and I honestly should have played this system, but I was a little bit afraid because it was the first start of uh, the season for him, and I do like him, but you fade rookies on the road in their first start on the road. I, I know I said on the road twice, but it matters. Yeah, And a guy like that, tons of nerves, I'm assuming, tons of them, yeah. division rival, and he has a really bad first inning, couldn't find the strike zone, was giving up base hits. But then he really settled in, right? That game, you know, didn't really get out of hand. The Braves, like, they're supposed to score five runs against the Nationals, yeah. but they got shut down by Mackenzie Gore. Like, I thought I thought he did a nice job of settling in. And the Braves, like, when I was listening to them, you know, talk about his start, you know, I think they gave him, like, the player of the game because of the way he settled in after giving up those four runs Uh, because nobody on offense deserved the player of the game. So they had to, if they're the Braves boot, they're going to give it to someone. And I think they were happy with the way he found the strike zone. Um, So I agree. He's got to find it. He can't have those first inning bursts, but I was happy with the way he settled down. Yeah. It it sounds like you'll be placing some hard earned coin on the St. Louis Cardinals when they take on Dylan Dodd and the Atlanta Braves, the Mets, could I Sanga look great aside from some spotty command? Brett Beatty is torching AAA is honestly my biggest takeaway right now. Beatty hit two homers, 111 the other way in Worcester. He had a crazy defensive play. Why I I I get the whole like Eduardo Escobar against left-handed pitching thing, but like why are we wasting our time pretending that Brett Beatty shouldn't be the everyday third baseman? Doesn't make any sense. Um and I think there's one prospect in each league that it makes no sense why they're not in the major league roster. Grayson Rodriguez with the Orioles and it's Brett Beatty with the Mets. It makes yeah. no sense. It's not like they signed Correa, right, to play third. And we're thinking, okay, yeah, it makes sense to start Beatty because he doesn't really play have a, a corner, spot right He'll now. figure out how to play there, yeah. But arguably the worst player in the Mets lineup is their third baseman. It makes yeah. no sense to me. I, I don't even have an explanation. It just does not makes sense yeah that was my big takeaway from the Mets I mean they yes they beat the Marlins Shout out David great. Peterson he looked great yeah, he did but I think a lot of people were expecting him to look good like I, I, I think that when Quintana went down some people were saying like this could be a, a talent upgrade from Quintana and I think we saw that from Peterson yeah the Phillies 
we're recording during Sunday night baseball. So this is not taking into account what happens on Sunday, but 27 runs allowed in two games is not great. Everybody. Sir Anthony Dominguez has an infinity ERA right now. Didn't get an out, allow four earned runs. Craig Kimbrell has an ERA at 81. Kimbrell, we knew could have been over the hill, but Sir Anthony Dominguez was throwing the eighth inning in massive World Series games last time we saw him. And here we go with him absolutely crapping the bed in Arlington. So I'm not like too worried about Sir Anthony Dominguez, but... I mean, if this pitching staff can't stop the bleeding, they could be in for like some rough nights. Yeah, like if Nola and Wheeler are not at their best, they could be in for some rough nights. And we and certainly they saw that with Wheeler. Exactly. And Nola didn't pitch that great either. Yeah, it was it was weird, man. And like, I think everybody circled Nola and DeGrom as like, hey, I got to watch this game. And they both kind of stunk it up. Yeah, they did. And when they stink it up, it just seems like the Phillies have no shot. Yeah, um, because the offense, if they run slightly cold and Wheeler and Ola give up four or five runs and then the bullpen comes in, which isn't performing well right now, like you just the, the game's over. You lost. Yeah. So you need that bullpen to bounce back and you need some good starts out of Nola and Wheeler or else, you know, maybe the Phillies are an out in the playoffs. I'm not saying it. It's way too early to say that. We're, we're three but like games that. Yeah that formula does not work is basically what I'm saying. No, not at all. And like, it was probably just a really crappy weekend and they'll bounce back. The Marlins, Luis Arise has nine hits. Nobody else has more than five. Arise is awesome. Yeah. The rest of that offense is barf. Yeah. Solaire hit a bomb, but. Solaire's got a- four hits. Garrett Cooper King has five hits. Yeah. And I think Fortez has three and everybody else has like one or two. Yeah. I mean, some of these at-bats, too, like Avi Garcia. I mean, what in the world is your plan at the plate? What is your plan? Swinging at sliders like 2-0? Ugh. He was out of the the, lineup game two. And then the bottom. Exactly. Yeah, continue. He was out of the lineup game two, and then he was hitting cleanup against a right-handed arm game three. There you go. What? Yeah. Mackenzie Gore looked all right for the Nats. All right? He looked phenomenal. He walked three, but that's like, I don't think that's a problem that's here to stay. Um, I think that we are going to, I think a healthy Gore is the one you saw at the beginning of last year when he looked like the National League Rookie of the Year frontrunner. So I I honestly just think it's a matter of health now that he's overcome whatever obstacles those were in 2021. I think Mackenzie Gore, while he's not the next coming of Clayton Kershaw, like he was tabbed at the end of 2019, I think he's going to be a good major league starting pitcher. And I don't think that he's going to be an ace, but I think that he's going to be a great three for the Washington Nationals. I agree. I think he's the best pitcher currently on their staff. When you think about it, Josiah Gray gets bombed. Patrick Corbin gets bombed. And then Mackenzie Gore shuts down one of the best offenses in major league baseball that were actually better against left-handed pitching last year. Tons of whiffs on that fastball. His breaking ball looked great. You know, yeah, the command wasn't quite there, but you can understand it from, you know, a young guy trying to pitch around that gauntlet of a lineup. Yeah. Um, even when Ozuna is hitting, like if Ozuna is hitting and Darno's hitting, they are dangerous. And they were, and he shut them down. So yeah, the command wasn't perfect, but I thought he looked fantastic. Yeah. No, I, I thought he looked good. And like I like that he's kind of getting away from the curveball because the curveball was um it was very liberator slash poor man's Kershaw 
where it is the pretty pitch and Kershaw's curveball is the pretty pitch, but Kershaw's going to the Hall of Fame because of his slider. Yeah. Like Gore's slider is better than his pretty looking curveball. And I like that he is fastball slider for the most part. He also has a good changeup that I wish he used a little bit more. I think he will. Like, why wouldn't he? Especially with that curveball. Cause yeah, I agree with you. It gets kind of loopy. And then when it falls in the middle of the zone, it feels like such a hanger. Sometimes he gets away with it, but sometimes, I mean, we didn't see it really happen in that game, but you can see it moving forward that if he leaves one of those over the middle, it feels like, you know, just a tumbling wiffle ball that you hit out of the ballpark. For sure. I feel so much better about him as if he like only has two pitches working. I feel so much better about him if he's fastball slider as opposed to fastball curveball. Because his fastball is so good. 95 to 96, right. ton of spin, just getting whiffs from really good hitters. I was very impressed. It's great. All right, AL East. AL East. I mean, the Rays looked fantastic this weekend. Yes, they played the Tigers. But when you look at they had a combined score of 16 to 2 in the first two games. And I was the moron who thought, Tigers, do you have any pride? The Rays put out a tweet being like, yeah, it was just batting practice. It was fun for us. And I was like, do you have any pride? You just lost by 10. You have Joey Wentz, who I do not mind. I thought he pitched fine, but not great. Um, And then, but then Jeffrey Springs throws a six inning, no hit outing. 12 Ks looked unbelievable. And that's what the Rays can be when healthy, right? Elite pitching. We saw it from McClanahan. We saw it from Springs. And then the hitting. How about Wander being unconscious? Home runs, stolen bases, taking pitches. He's such a good defender too. I think like we see why he could be a potential best shortstop in baseball. Like, it's clear. You watch him, and it's like, the talent is crazy. He's got a bazooka arm. He's got tons of range. He's got plenty of power. And he was one of the few prospects in the last decade that has an 80-grade hit tool. Like, he is so freaking talented. He just needs to stay healthy. But when this Rays team is fully healthy, they are so tough to beat because then you get after the starter, and then you got Poche coming in and Fairbanks, and Adam, and so many good relievers. They are so good. That's my takeaway, that they are so fucking good if they stay healthy. Yeah, man. I mean, top-end talent is elite, and we saw McClanahan put together a good start. We saw Wander Franco play awesome. Um, Drew Rasmussen was great. Jeffrey Springs was elite, as you mentioned. But I go to, like, Randy Rosarena might actually be good and not just a weird tournament guy anymore i, no, I he hope he was good th- last year come on he was 2020 i know but what if he's really good you yeah, know what, what i if, mean yeah, like yeah, when yeah. we see him in the world baseball classic and postseason tournament types all of a sudden he's god yeah. and i'm not asking him to be god but i'm asking him to be a bit more of a deity than he is just like yeah good player randy Rosarena. i think he's somewhere in between those And hopefully he can capture that for an entire regular season because I think that bumps his contract, his next contract. I think he has two more years of arbitration. I think that bumps him into the next level of player. If he can prove that he is a really good regular season player and an elite postseason player, you're probably getting $100 million. Maybe more if he continues this level. Yeah. And I think he could. Like He could. And he's so entertaining, man. And Jose Siri still... hit a bomb. Shout out King Siri. Shout out King Siri. Should we move on to the Yankees? Yes. Johnny Brito, man. 
looked really good, and he is key for the Yankees. You see them go down with starting pitching injuries, right? Carlos Rodon, Frankie Montas, um, Luis Severino, and they need these young guys to step up. Schmidt looked fine. That's I'm no, he didn't. Honest. He didn't look good, but. <laughs> Johnny Brito looked great. The changeup was excellent. He was 95 to 97. He, you know, I don't know how much stock I'm putting into it because that Giants lineup is putrid. I mean, it is. We're, we'll so get to that. Bad. Yeah. Save we'll your thoughts. We'll get to it. Yeah. I'll just, we'll move on to my second takeaway, which is Aaron Judge is just, he's, he's right where he left off, right? Yeah. Close to 1400 OPS, hit a home run in his first AB at Yankee Stadium, and Giancarlo Stanton went 485 to dead center. Only a few people on planet Earth can do that. Correct. Um, um, did I okay. did I spew my propaganda about Johnny Brito to you this winter, or was that arm on the call-up? I think it might have been arm on the call-up. We mentioned him in the podcast as someone we were all excited about, but we didn't get into it. Yeah, dude's just a ground ball gremlin, man. Like, he, awesome. he is belt and below, and he is like fastball, change up, let's ride. And, and the yeah. fastball is good enough to get a bunch of soft ground balls. Johnny Brito, like he's not for real, for real, but he could absolutely be a big league five. I feel better about him starting games than Schmidt already. Yeah, no, I, that, I, that I think was my takeaway. That if you're looking at some of these young guys, like who's going to be the five Johnny when Brito Rodon might be comes back, when Severino comes back, like right now, it's not even close. Brito is the front runner, but we'll see, right? Yeah. It's against the Giants lineup, but at the same time, Clark Schmidt struggled against the Giants lineup, so you know we'll yeah. see. Uh, the Boston Red Sox are two and one. They had a great series against the Orioles, and when I say great, I mean kind of lucky. But hey, that shit plays, right? The bats showed up. You got to shout out Adam Duvall. You got to shout out a lot of these guys. Like Casas hit the ball really hard. I thought Yoshida had a pretty good series for his first major league series in major league baseball. Maybe he didn't quite meet the lofty expectations that, you know, a lot of people thought based on WBC, based on his numbers um, in the MPB, but I thought he was solid. I thought from top down, this lineup really showed up. Now there's problems in the rotation. I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think that they're going to win the world series but they had a very exciting series against a team who we like better than them. And they really hit in every single spot and they battled, right? So that's my takeaway. I'm really glad to see some fight from this Red Sox team with a really, really awesome offensive performance from the entire lineup. Bro, you you love making me the negative Nancy on this podcast. Like here I have to come in and rain on everybody's parade. Chris Sale looked terrible. I, yeah. I mean, I am so looked fine. I thought his stuff looked fine. He was just leaving balls middle and, He's and, so, but dude. I took the over in that game because the wind was blowing out a ton. Like, yes, yeah, some went 30 rows in, but yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I wasn't as worried when I watched the game. I was like, all right, he gave up like a three run home run. Like I thought the box score looked a lot worse than, than what he was doing. I think he'll be fine. His stuff, you know, he was. It's not like he was sitting 91, right? Like he was still 95. But I understand what you're saying because if he's bad, they're fucked. Like if he's bad this season, they are royally screwed because you can't expect the offense to put up seven or eight runs like they averaged. Like they put up 27 runs in three games. Like you cannot 
expect your offense to average nine runs a game. Yeah, I mean, pitching all weekend long kind of sucked out loud for both teams, Baltimore and Boston. Like, there were just runs galore. And those are two fine lineups. We like the Orioles lineup better than the Red Sox lineup, but the Red Sox lineup is not the Giants. Like, they are, you know, a a decent major league lineup. But those teams should not be putting up nine runs a game against each other. So I, I am worried about the Red Sox rotation and then all of a sudden they go to Cutter Crawford to open the next series, game four, which is just brutal. Yeah. Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa, man. A little worried. Um, he went up against a really good Cardinals lineup, but he didn't look great, right? His command wasn't really there. He was giving up plenty of hard contact, and he's a guy who, you know, we noted before the season started that his peripherals don't look great. At least they didn't look great from last year. Now, I'm not saying he's, you know, a bad pitcher. He's definitely not. He's a very solid pitcher. But I'm curious if he's the ace that he was last year, if he's the 2-2-4 guy. Now, I'm not predicting a 4 ERA, but if he finishes with a 3-5 or a 3-6, I will not be surprised. Because that's maybe closer to what he is. And also... Remember my gut feeling about Chris Bassett? I'm not ready to do a lap around that, obviously. But he did get slacked. It was T-ball. T-ball. And Kevin Gosman, I feel bad for the dude. I mean, the Blue Jays defense didn't help him. And they didn't score anything. I thought he pitched way better than the final score looked. He's great. But if Barrios doesn't have a good start, Blue Jays fans, we got to be worried about the rotation. We really got to be worried. And yes. what do you think he's going to give us? Not much, if anything at all. Um, yeah, like you have to feel really good about the front six in this lineup. So while you may be a teensy bit worried about the rotation, Springer, Bichette, Vladdy, Varsho, Kirk, Chapman is incredible. So Chapman is so six for 12 to open the season. He pumped out a 111 on Sunday. Like, Chapman seeing the ball really well in a contract year. We had a feeling that this could have been coming, and now it's coming. Kirk is obviously seeing the ball decently well. Varsho has been fine. Bo Bichette's been awesome. I think this lineup's going to put up a ton of runs, and they're going to see a lot worse teams than the St. Louis Cardinals. So I'm not ready to worry about the rotation yet. Let me get two more times through the rotation in, and then I'll have a takeaway. Yeah. Um, moving on to the Orioles. I mean, if I'm an Orioles fan, I feel like I got robbed, especially with that, um, with Ryan McKenna dropping that ball in left field and then Adam Duvall, because the Orioles, you know, we kind of knew pitching was going to be the problem. Um, and it has looked like it. And I'm surprised too. The bullpen hasn't looked great either, which was kind of a big shock for not a shock, but I just expected a lot more from the bullpen, I guess, and they just did not perform. Um, but a couple of hitters that I thought were awesome. I mean, Adley Rushman is such a beast. I mean, he is. His swing is so good in every at-bat. Like, even if he gets out, even if he strikes out, like, I just have so much faith in him at the plate. Every single at-bat seems really good. And Austin Hayes, I mean, have a series. Yep. In 462, hit a bomb with two doubles. So the offense showed up, and the offense will continue to show up. But it's kind of similar to the Red Sox. Like, you got to find some pitching because Cole Irvin is doesn't seem to be it. 
<laughs> right? Like there's a lot of guys in this rotation where you think to yourself, uh, we got to score five runs to compete here. And then if our bullpen isn't shutting the door like last year, we're in trouble. Yeah. Like the Orioles, we'll see, man. It's yeah. We need to see a lot more from their staff. And Grayson really struggled in his AAA opener. He started against Taj Bradley and Durham on Friday, and he was not very good. Um, I don't know. It, it it may just be a hard year for the what Orioles think, pitching staff. What do you think about him? Because I'm hearing mixed things. Grayson. Grayson? I just can't take I anything away I couldn't from watch the opening day start. I couldn't watch the start, so I was genuinely curious like if you saw anything. Yeah, I mean, like uh, he and Bradley just didn't look like – Grayson Rodriguez and Taj Bradley. And, and the thing is, you know, you you draft a guy, NBA draft, you see the highlight tape. But what you don't see is like all the shit that wasn't incorporated into the highlight tape. So when you watch a full start of Grayson Rodriguez, it's like, wait, he's not striking everybody out. What's going on? He usually does. Like, you, I wouldn't be concerned about that. But, you know, like, you're not going to see this start on his highlight tape. The beauty of baseball is he's going to start 30 games this year if he's healthy, and he will probably start four or five more games in Norfolk before getting the bump. If anything, Mike Elias is really happy that like he pointed to that what and said, an told asshole. you so, he needed more time. Look at me. I'm so smart, you dick. I'm so smart. Good call. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's because he's in Norfolk and not in Boston that this is happening. But, I mean, Taj Bradley didn't look good either. Matthew Two Liberty really good AAA great. lineups, though, right? Yeah, really I mean, that lineup. was like the pitching matchup from heaven uh, yeah. on AAA opening day. So, really interesting. Obviously, we'll do a lot of AAA talk on the call-up and all that, too. Uh, NL East or NL Central for me? NL Central for you, my friend. We start with the Cardinals. While Jose Altuve is hurt, the St. Louis Cardinals have the best lineup in baseball. Full stop. Period. End of sentence. Whoa. Brendan Donovan, Tyler O'Neill, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Wilson Contreras, Nolan Gorman, who looked excellent, Jordan Walker, Dylan Carlson slash Alec Burleson, and Tommy Edmond. Where's the weakness? Nowhere. Nowhere, and Brendan Donovan looks so fucking good against he's the so, ter- so good he's against so good. <laughs> against the Toronto Blue Jays in three games. They had a ten seventeen team OPS and over hundred and ten plate appearances. They are the only team in the National League with an OPS over nine hundred through the first weekend. Thirteen batted balls in Sunday's game were a hundred miles an hour off the bat or harder. And again, Bassett sucked, but like whatever, man. You do that against a double-A arm, I'm really impressed. This lineup could be no breaks. Yeah, who knows? Maybe Chris Bassett is good, and the Cardinals are just that good. Maybe Manoa is really good, and the Cardinals are just that good. That's why we obviously need more time, and we're trying to you know, take away stuff from uh, the first opening series. But yeah, man, I mean, there's no breaks. None. None. And no one is an easy out. Like you go through all these lineups, you know, we're watching baseball all weekend and it's like, you get to the bottom of some of these lineups and it's like, all right, one, two, three. Yeah. Right. Even when you look at the A's like one, two, three and the one, two, three of their lineup is like, all right, we're probably getting to the next inning. And like, are you worried about Whit Merrifield and Biggio and Espinal? Like not really. We're going to talk about the angels later, like a lineup where it's like the front four just so good. And then it drops off like the Cardinals, and Gorman is huge, and Walker is huge. Like, if these guys really come onto the scene this year, I agree with you. They might have the best lineup in baseball. And then when you combine it with their defensive acumen, like, yeah. 
that's how this team is going to win games. And the bullpen too, Helsley looked shaky on Thursday. He looked excellent to close the game on Saturday. So, I mean, you know, don't take anything away from one game. Uh, take everything away from two games. Yeah. The Brewers, don't panic about Corbin Burns. Like, that's my only takeaway. He did this yeah. last opening day. He went five innings, three earned, three walks, three Ks last year. Yeah. This year, he went five innings, four hits, four earned, and like three walks, Whatever the four box Ks. Score was. Yeah. It I, was like I'm almost identical. Yeah. Just, I don't care. Like, don't worry about him. Um, I wouldn't worry about anything this weekend, as weird as it sounds. Uh, Joey Weimer got to make his debut. Cool. Happy about that. I was going to say, too, of all the teams, I feel like I didn't have a takeaway from the Brewers at all. Nothing. Right? Like, Nothing. the guys who didn't perform that well, I'm like, oh, I'm not worried. The guys who perform pretty well, I'm like, eh, okay. Here's like, my I big takeaway. Like, they almost, like, I don't remember watching them. Exactly. Christian Yelich. <laughs> I close my eyes and think of Christian Yelich post 2019 as like a 274 hitter. He's hitting like 275 right now. Like, yeah, like he's just, everybody's just, just doing what they're supposed to do. Yep. They're just, we're the brewers that we brew. Yes, exactly. Yes. The Cubs, I do have a takeaway here. And this is uh, aided by Michael Cerami of Bleacher Nation. Through the first two games, so going into Sunday's game, Ian Happ, Dansby Swanson were nine for 14. Everybody else in the lineup was two for 47. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome stat for Michael Cerami. They're not as finished a product as some Cubs optimists would like to say, but Christopher Morell had a great opening weekend in AAA. Matt Mervis had a great opening weekend in AAA. Enough guys are close to make the product more palatable. Morell was already there last year. I think we'll be there in two weeks. Um, and then you know, keep eyes on South Bend and Myrtle Beach and Tennessee. Like the rebuild's going on. There is no denying the fact that the Cubs are a rebuilding team. They are not ready to compete this year, but they are close. I like the pitching a lot. I thought Steele looked great. I thought yep. Stroman looked great. Stroman looked awesome. Again, we talked about that. We expected him to but, look great on opening. But then day. at the same time, wind was blowing in. Like... I don't know sometimes what to think with yeah. them because the weather that they play it is so whack that yeah. sometimes it's like, well, the wind blowing in. Yeah, the guy pitched pretty well. Like Justin Steele, for example, shoved when you look at the box score, but he allowed some hard contact there. Yeah. And there was wind blowing in like I that series in itself. I didn't really take anything away from it. I thought it was kind of weird. I thought. What happened was kind of what I expected from everyone. I expected the Cubs bottom of the lineup to not be very good. I think that's why we're not high on them. I expected Swanson and Hap to be pretty good. And I expected it to be really a pitcher's duel throughout the entirety because of the weather. So I came away from it thinking like, all right, I got to see more from both teams. Yeah, I think so. Um, all right, the Reds. The young guns are here. Nick Lodolo got 22 whiffs in five innings on Saturday. The bad man. And if you get in on Graham Ashcraft at the ground floor, you're going to be a happy man. Seven innings of one-run ball on Sunday. I think, you know, obviously, like, we'll revisit this conversation in July, but I don't think it's insane to say that we should probably restructure how we view those three arms. All three are excellent. But honestly, like, if you said... Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft. If you said Lodolo, Ashcraft, Green, Lodolo, Green, Ashcraft. I'm not like, hmm. I don't know. I, I'm not pushing back on any order here. 
Um, I think Lodolo is the best. I think Graham Ashcraft is Graham Ashcraft is a lot closer to Hunter Green than uh, many people around baseball would like to admit. I think they're all kind of different, right? Because I don't think anyone can debate this. And maybe Arm would, maybe you would. But at least in my head, this is how I think of it, that Green has the most potential out of all of them. You look at his stuff. Yeah. And you think it's just like, I mean, it's 101 with that breaking ball. Like, that's what Strider does. Like, any given day, if his stuff is on, he can throw elite performances. I think the best pitcher is Nick Lodolo, because I think even when he doesn't have his stuff, he can get outs, allow that soft contact, get that ground ball in Great American Ballpark. But Ashcraft almost has, like, such a high floor. He's baby Burns right now. Yeah, because his stuff is so... So he's like a combination of both of them, because he has a not a high floor like Lodolo, but he's close, and then his stuff is not that far off from green. Yeah. So it's like they all have their strengths and weaknesses. I think the person, the pitcher with the least weaknesses is Lodolo. The most weaknesses is green. Yes. But green has the most potential. So they're all special in their own ways. But the point is, they're all really exciting to watch. And that's the thing. I think when you take the pros and cons of both guys and move them up and down on a scale... They all almost even out at the same yeah, level. It's like, yeah, it's like this weird thing where they're when they're all on, they're all fantastic. So maybe just be really happy that you have three good number two potential guys in your rotation. Like that three-headed monster for the next five, it's six real. years. I think he's gonna be awesome for Cincinnati. But then it's Connor Overton. Yeah, but like <laughs> we haven't maybe seen Connor Overton pitch. He may <laughs> throw a perfect game. Maybe, probably not. Maybe, probably not. <laughs> the Pirates, all focus should be on Brian Reynolds right now. Only run on oh. Sunday came on a solo home run from Brian Reynolds. Like, that is my thing. Obviously, you've seen the reports that that years, seven, money, over $100 million agreed to. The hangup is Brian Reynolds wants a player option after year three. The Pirates do not want a player option. Can we get a compromise for the love of God? Give me a give me an opt-out after year five, man. Like, just get pen to paper because you need him so bad in this lineup. You really don't have center field figured out. I love that G1 Bay was in the first three lineups of the year. Bay played second twice, center in the middle game. But, like, against left-handed pitching... If you can get Sawinski, or no, against right-handed pitching, if you can get Sawinski on the bench and put Reynolds in center, like you will be way more happy, I think. I guess, no, I'm glad you brought it up because I thought your takeaway was just getting hypnotized by O'Neill Cruz's talent. Like that well, was my I, takeaway. Like, I, I am hypnotized. Like, I was but, like, get drooling. him a Robin. Yeah, I was just drooling. I was like, he's so fast and he throws so hard and he hits the ball so hard and he had a base so hit good. where he hit it with one arm. I was just like, whoa. No, like, I, I think he's incredible. I felt like a little kid. Like I was just watching a grown-ass man, a superhero on the field. As weird as it sounds, he's ready to be Batman already. And Brian Reynolds, like you need to financially lock up Robin because I don't think he, Brian Hayes is Robin right now. If he lifts, he could be Robin. Like not Keep actually like that. bench press, yeah. squat, lift. I'm Put talking ball like in the air. elevates. If he does unlock this next level of his offensive game, I think he could absolutely be the Robin to O'Neill's Batman. But I think that Brian Reynolds is like sitting there 
ready to commit to the next, you know, five to seven years of being a Pittsburgh Pirate. Just make it happen. American League Central. Um, the Minnesota Twins swept the Royals. And I'm stealing my takeaway from the Minnesota booth because I love the point that they were breaking down about Byron Buxton. And I noticed this, but they articulated it so well. They basically said, like, he's not playing to not get injured, if that makes sense. Because, like, we saw there was a ball that was in the outfield with Mike Trout um, that I think if he dove, he could have caught. Like, Buxton seems to be playing with this I feel confident in my body. They were um, they were speaking to the on-field reporter about what he's been doing in the offseason to really make sure that his body is at peak performance for this season. And he looks like he's playing free. And when Buxton is playing free and healthy, this guy is one of the most talented players in our game. He's hitting 460. I don't even know if he has a home run yet, but I know he's got a triple. <laughs> I know that he's playing really good defense. I know he's hitting the ball all over the ballpark, smacking singles, tons of hard contact. That was my takeaway because he is so key for them. The pitching looked great, but the Royals offense was putting up terrible at bats, so it's not like I'm giving them a ton of credit, even though I do already like this Twins rotation. I was glad to see them pitch well, but I just thought the biggest takeaway was if Buxton can be healthy and play free and do the things that we all hope, he is a special player. Special. So is Joey Gallo. Special talent. Special talent. Great yeah, Sunday for Joey Gallo. I would love him to be good. I mean, that's awesome. That's A couple awesome. of nukes and a double. Hit Shout out bombs. Joey Gallo. Hit 40 bombs for the Twins this year. I hope he proves everybody wrong. Yeah. That'd be like, awesome. Listen, Larnick's been great. Buxton has been awesome. And, and Buxton is the takeaway for me, too. I also think Joe Ryan threw really well today. Six fastball innings, three hits. Like, the fastball is so good. So good. Six innings, a one-run ball, punch out six. And he was not bitten by the walk bug, thankfully. Just two walks in, in six innings. But, yeah, man, I thought Ryan was good. I think Buxton has been awesome. I'm with you, man. It, Minnesota, if they get positive vibes, like, this team can roll for a little bit. And I like what you said about Ryan, too, because he didn't have command of his slider. And yet the fastball is just so damn good that he can get himself out of outs. Like, that's why he's got a pretty safe profile, because even when he doesn't have command of his secondaries, like that fastball fucking plays. It is so good. It rides up on you. He can throw wherever he wants. And that's why it ranked as one of the best pitches in baseball last year, because it's got high spin. It's it's probably impossible to see out of his hand with that slot. Yeah. Um, he's just a... He's going to be a good pitcher. And this whole twin staff I was excited about, but Buxton was the player who I'm like, I got a key in on, and he looked fan- phenomenal. And the twins yeah. booth broke it down so well. Yeah. Um, Guardians, great series against the Mariners. Holy shit. Three games. They took three of them out of four. My biggest takeaway is, like, it's so funny. My biggest takeaway is Shane Bieber and his command. I think he might have the best command in all of baseball. This stuff was not good. Like, objectively, I'm watching. I'm like, I don't know how he's doing it. But then, you know, the first couple innings, he's getting out of every situation that he wants to. And I'm like, all right, for the next three innings, I don't even give a fuck how hard it is. I don't care about any of it. I'm watching the catcher. And I'm watching to see if Shane Bieber hits his spots. It's clockwork. This guy's command is unbelievable. Even with a stuff drop-off, he can still maintain an ace-level type start. And I think that's huge because with McKenzie going down, 
when you look at the rest of the staff, it's like, uh, who's going to win on any given day? Yeah. But if Bieber, even with the lack of stuff, like that was my biggest takeaway because I thought the offense was decent in spots. They did what they had to do, but they got bailed out by some errors. So my biggest takeaway was Bieber's location might be the best in the sport. Thursday night, late night, watching Bieber and Luis Castillo go back and forth was a dream. Castillo is so good. That with the pitch clock too, like that was oh. baseball at my favorite. Like Agreed. I thought baseball at its best. The best. It was so good, man. I mean, like all of a sudden you look down, it's like, wow, we're in the fifth inning and it's been 50 minutes. This is <laughs> yeah. awesome. I love ball. And the same thought of like, we're in the fifth inning and I feel like it's been like an, an episode of Family Guy. Like right. it's just like a freaking, who's right there. I loved it. Um, it was so good. The White Sox. They look kind of good. So kind of good. I mean, they like didn't play well, but they won, right? Like it yeah. was. I thought it was more of indictment on the Astros. I thought they they looked flat. The pitching was good, not great. Underwhelming. The bottom of the lineup for the Astros felt non-existent. Yeah, but the White Sox won games. You got to give them credit. Like. But it's not like who on the White Sox from this weekend did you feel like jumped out of you? Yoan Moncada. Yeah, true. Yeah, no, that's a good point. He did have a great series. That's I that should have been my takeaway. But I guess watching the World Series or you know, World Baseball Classic and then watching Moncada, I almost like it's I guess it's based on expectations, right? I'm like, I feel like he's gonna have a hot start and he did. So we kind of met my expectations, even though like you shouldn't have those expectations for him because of what he's done in the past couple of years. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. So, I went into the series not thinking clearly about the White Sox, obviously. So do you remember um, San Francisco's even-year voodoo? Oh, yeah. So 2010, 2012, 2014, they win the World Series. Ever. Let me introduce you to Yoan Moncada's <laughs> odd-year performance. Yoan Moncada has spent parts of eight seasons at the major league level. He has an OPS plus under 104 times. He has an OPS plus over 100 four times. His four OPS pluses that have been over 100, 2017, 2019, 2021, and now the start of 2023. Welcome to odd year, Yoan Moncada, where he's going to put up an 850 OPS and you're going to say, wow, He's back, and then next year, he's going to put up an, a 680 OPS, 700 OPS, and you're going to say, wow, sell him. It is so interesting watching him as a White Sox fan uh, since 2017. The other name that jumps out to me is Dylan Cease, and like Aram, I think, put it best on our individual awards preview last week. He said there's a chance that Cease just runs away with the Cy Young in the American League. There's a chance Dylan Cease runs away with the Cy Young in the American League. He looked so good on opening night. He's a bad He's man. a bad man. He is real good. Real good. His stuff looked amazing. If he if he can develop over the years, you know, even above average command, he'll start running away with Cy Youngs because every single pitch he throws is elite. Every single one. Like it's, I, I saw that catcher cam. Did you see that video of like Jordan trying to hit him and all these Dude. guys? It looked impossible. You can't see it come out of his arm and it's high fastball, at the same angle. 
I know. And he's like kind of a slight frame guy. High fastball to Jordan on that ump cam was heaven. I didn't even see it. I'm watching the video. How did Jordan see it? I mean, dead because he swung and missed through it. Right. The Royals. Oh, man, they look like shit this weekend. They I, scored no takeaway. Yeah, they scored four runs, allowed 11. It wasn't that high scoring of a series. Uh, Jordan Lyles looked pretty good. But my takeaway is Bobby Wood Jr. looked like ass. And I was shocked because I this is a young player who sort of went under the radar last year just because of how many good rookie seasons we saw. And his at-bats, like, it's one thing to go 0 for 10. And it's another thing to, for your mentality, I felt like, at the plate. Like, there was some innings there where these Twins pitchers couldn't find the strike zone. Walking guys. And then, like, you're swinging outside the zone at breaking balls, like, on a 2-0 pitch. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I thought being on that bench of Team USA, you know, even getting some at-bats in the WBC, he was going to come in hot, and he just looked so bad. And I was just so surprised. Now, Vinny P didn't look good. Sal looked great. Sal Perez. Um, But Vinny, like, okay, he still put up good at-bats, even though he went 1 for 10. But Bobby Wood Jr. went 0 for 10, and every at-bat I felt like was so shitty. So that's my takeaway, because what else are you going to take away? Chapman was touching 100, 103, so that's something. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, The only video that I saw from the Kansas City Royals was Aroldis Chapman throwing 103. Uh, (laughs) I just spent the last three days watching their AAA affiliate play, and let me tell you that Tyler Gentry is for real, and he should be a corner outfielder on that team in like a couple months. Gentry is very, very good. So that is my Royals takeaway Um, because unfortunately I didn't waste my time on the Kansas city Royals this weekend. I'm sorry. I bet on the over in the last game and it went seven to four. So I watched every second of that game and I was flipping back and forth, especially I was watching the first game too, because I wanted to see how Bobby Wood jr. Was like, I was really excited to watch him and Vinny and I wanted to see what they were like. And Bobby would, would just, my expectations were apparently way too high for him in the early goings. He'll be fine, but it's just like, dude, you got to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, the Tigers will be quick because they lost all three games to the Rays. They scored three runs and allowed 21. They looked like the worst team in baseball. They were so bad. So bad. I don't. Everyone looked bad. Green looked bad. Torque looked bad. Everyone looked bad. That's it. Like they didn't pitch. The bullpen wasn't great. The lineup was non-existent. I got nothing. Unfortunately, they looked thoroughly outclassed by the Tampa Bay Rays. It looked like a LSU facing a Norfolk state. Like it just it was, was a different ball game. It was crazy. Like it, it was a one seed versus 16 seed that goes according to plan. I'm not talking Literally. about Fairleigh Dickinson. Like it was it it was a different level of baseball that Tampa was playing as opposed to Detroit. And that's really sad. To say about two major league teams, um, really hope that Scott Harris writes the ship quickly because the ship is not in a good spot right now. Uh, and I can't say that it's above water in Detroit, which just stinks. Yeah. Uh, all right. NL West. NL West. The Dodgers starting pitchers through 25 innings. They allowed four earned runs, including Dustin May going seven shutout. Brewstar Gratterall sucked. He'll be fine. Offense has to show up consistently because they won't get a three-homer night from Trace Thompson every week. 
But the starting pitching looked excellent. Of course, Syndergaard looked excellent. But highlight on Dustin May, because if that guy's good, that absence of Walker Bueller stings a whole lot less. Absolutely. He looked like the ace that we all think he is when he's healthy. He was straight. Which is crazy. Nasty. They have an ace in Bueller who's TJ'd up. They have an ace in Arias. They have a first ballot Hall of Famer in Kershaw. And then they have a guy that looks nasty in Dustin May. And then Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone are down in triple waiting. Don't forget about Syndergaard, who looked really, really good. The fastball at 94 with movement. The the breaking ball looked good. The changeup looked good. He looked really, really good, too. And, like, if Tony Gonsolin can give him good starts, this is as deep of a rotation from, you know, AAA all the way up to Julio Arias. Man, they are good as shit. Yeah. And shout out Trace Thompson. Shout That's out Trace it. Thompson. Shout out Trace. Shout out Mookie. He was awesome. Yes, he was. Shout and out he Kyle was Taylor. Playing. Yes. Shout out Kyle Taylor. Uh, and shout out Mookie's sunglasses on Sunday afternoon. He was like pretty much wearing beach Ray-Bans in the He's outfield. So, He's so handsome. He's so crazy. He's so awesome. Dude. All right. San Diego. The only guy the offense really showed up against was Jose Arena, which like could be concerning. Although... I am refraining from making a sweeping claim without Tatis in the lineup. So I reserve all opinion on the San Diego Padres until Fernando Tatis is back. Coward. I know. You can say they put together shit at bats all, all, all. Uh, and they kind of did, but like, did. We'll see like what happens when Fernando's there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess we won't judge them yet, but I will because That's they fine. look like crap. They, the, the Rockies are like, well, probably you're probably going to talk about CJ Crone in a minute, but like they didn't pitch and they didn't hit and they didn't really play good defense either. Like it was a very flat performance from a team with a lot of hype coming into the season. Yeah. Uh, I'll jump to the Rockies now. Is CJ Crone him? Is Kyle Freeland him because of that weird jump throw? Yeah, Chris Bryant. Is you know he Kyle, him? You know, Kyle Freeland had a three ERA. Uh, on the road last season at a, like a five or six ERA at home. He's a dog on the road. He that pitches really well. That was a crazy well. play from Kyle Friedland. Like, yeah. Could be play of the year type conversation. And that was, that wasn't opening day. Was it opening day? No, it was second game. Because Herman Marquez got the ball opening. That's day. right. And Herman Marquez didn't suck. Like, didn't obviously suck. the story here is CJ Crone, who's already got three pumps. I mean, Crone was crazy this weekend. Your war leader, CJ Crone. No, 0.6 F4. God, I love early season F4. So I know, much fun. Fangraphs hasn't loaded in everyone because it was just from the first two games, but he was your war leader. Like, how many war does Jeffrey Springs have right now? Like, he's got to be like a 0.3 win player right now. Yeah, something nuts. I'm not sure. Damn. All right. Giants shut out twice this weekend. Once in a Garrett Cole start, once in a Johnny Brito start. And Johnny Brito is kind of like Garrett Cole, so I get it. But when I tell you this lineup sucks, I mean it. Yeah. They look like Tigers suck. Like, brutal. Horrible. Brutal. I'm watching these games. I'm like, Clark Schmidt didn't look good, and he like his box score was okay. Like, like some of these Yankees relievers, I didn't think they had their best stuff or their best command. It, they were totally fine. Right. Like it was just, there's nobody in the lineup I'm afraid of. Like, kind of jock. Kind of. Like, I just, 
I looked at the lineup. I'm like, I don't know how they're going to string together wins. I'm going to say something mean. They're kind of in a Rangers situation where they could spend half a billion dollars this offseason. And I may not even be like thrilled about the team they construct. They need like 400 million plus hitters in the lineup. I feel great about Logan Webb and Doval, and that's it. I agree. That's a crazy thing to say about the San Francisco Giants who won 107 games in 2021. Exactly. 2021. Yeah. That's we are one full season removed. One, one single full season removed and now we're saying that 500 million dollars may not fix this team. So weird and the minor like the organization had a bad year performance-wise in terms of minor league prospects last year. I have no idea what they're going to get this year. Like, this is a really dire situation, and they need Otani and someone else. That's what we're looking at with them. Yeah. Arizona, last one for me. Lean into the young thing, please. Gallon disappointing on opening day. Don't really care about that. But Dre Jameson looked great. Added eyeballs, 789 in the lineup with Carol Moreno Thomas. Tommy Henry and Brandon Fodder in Reno, and we're still giving Madison freaking Bumgarner innings in in Major League Baseball games. Like, we don't need to. We saw what happens. You're going to lose 10-1 when Mad Bum takes the hill. Get fought or get Tommy Henry up there. I'm excited to watch Ryan Nelson and Dre Jamison look like the truth. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... I was uh I thought the Arizona Diamondbacks competed against a, a Dodgers team that is just simply better than them. Um, this is a team where you watch sp- specific players because as a team, like the bullpen just isn't that good, but they performed pretty damn well um in this series. And and Christian Walker went yard, like yeah. Could tell Marte didn't look great, but didn't look terrible. Like if you take two of four from the Dodgers, like you're having a good time. For sure. For sure. So my thing is just like lean into the thing that makes you watchable. Like, don't give me more Madison Bumgarner. Give me more youth. Give me more young people. So ALS now? Yes, to wrap. Um, my concern with the Rangers was DeGrom, but the bats just came through. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to judge a DeGrom off this one bad start. No, you had no. Sandy. You had other guys who also didn't have great opening days. Gallon, like you just said. So I'm not looking too far into that because it is Jacob DeGrom. And I still think pitch for pitch, he is the greatest pitcher on planet Earth. He's not the pitcher I would take. I would still take Sandy because of the guarantee of innings. And he's also very close. But pitch for pitch, it's it's like DeGrom is still amazing. Sure. But, I mean, Adolis Garcia. I mean, I'm... I got the game above me. That's why people on YouTube maybe see me just peering up at the TV. Odolis Garcia just robbed a home run. He's hitting 625. I haven't been able to watch right now what he's doing offensively, but in the first two games, he was raking. Nathaniel Lowe was raking. Marcus Semien looked great. Corey Seager had a lot of, you know, hard hit balls. Like, they are hitting. And I think that's the main takeaway that this lineup, you know, if they... If they get into some troubles on the mound, they can overcome it with an onslaught of offense. Um, so they've, you know, in their first two games, right now it's one to one in the fifth as we're recording, but they've scored 27 runs in two games. Um, yeah. now 28 as we sit here in the fifth. Yeah. But the offense just looked incredibly impressive. Well, and that 28th was a solo homer from Josh Young as well. And there Young you is now two for ten to open his season. So that's a guy that you were waiting on. Yeah, man. I mean, this offense can be good. I I just have so many questions about 
the starting rotation and continuity within the starting rotation. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. If these guys take the hill, feel decent about the Rangers. If they don't take the hill, I don't feel decent about them. And unfortunately, they grabbed a, a bunch of guys that don't take the hill that often. Hard to have massive takeaways with the Angels. Um, they faced the A's all weekend. Yeah, they, they uh, ran the- into the buzzsaw that was Shintaro Fujinami for two innings. Yeah, and then they demolished him. Yes. Um, so, you know, I'm not taking any hard stances on the Angels. This is a very easy takeaway. The top of the lineup looks fucking unbelievable. Yes. Taylor Ward is hitting like 470. He's hitting balls. Even when his outs are hard hit, like he looked fantastic. Mike Trout. Do you see what happened? Oh, here's the big takeaway. Like this is the something that matters. Do you see Trout moved his hands down a little bit? No, I he's did not adjusted. see that. Yeah, he looks com- he looks like he has a different setup than even what he looked like in the WBC. His swing looks so short, and he's still generating an incredible amount of power. I saw him take one off Ken Waldachuk, what seemed like 600 feet to straightaway center field, and then Otani follows it up back-to-back. Yeah. Like Those three, if they are hitting, they are just so tough to beat because the pitching looked really good this weekend. Otani looked like the best pitcher alive. Yeah. Sandoval gave up one home run, but other than that, looked great. And then Tyler Anderson, six innings, shutout baseball. But again, it's against the A's, so I, I couldn't have that takeaway. But my big takeaway is Trout has adjusted his hands a little bit, and he's still doing Mike Trout shit. Yeah. Um, game of the night to watch tonight is in Seattle. Reed Detmers, George Kirby, mm. both making their season debuts. That is an awesome, awesome ball game. It's either that or Ryan Nelson and Ryan Weathers. Do whatever you want there, man. Or Zach Plesak and James Caprellian. Whatever. Um, Logan Ohapi, four for 10 with a homer and six RBIs at the bottom of that lineup. So if Ohapi's good and the top of the lineup's really good, I don't care about six and seven. Yeah. Um, Houston Astros. Mm, didn't really underwhelming. Have a yeah, just underwhelming. I mean, the only guys hitting in their lineup are Tucker and Jordan. Uh, the rest, not good. Yeah, pitching was fine. I thought Luis Garcia pitched fine. I thought Javier pitched fine. I thought Framber pitched pretty good. Like it just was a lackluster, flat performance from the preseason number one team in baseball. But I'm not going to take much away from them. Like no. they are still so good. The bullpen is still so good. I am slightly worried about Presley. He's doing this with his arm, like he's shaking it out for all the people on YouTube who can watch me doing the motion. That didn't look good. Montero gave up that home run. They just, they looked really flat. They looked really flat against a White Sox team that took advantage. But listen, when they beat the Tigers tonight 12 nothing, and Hunter Brown throws a no-hitter, like, we're back. I don't know, dude. What about Drew Smiley? I mean, yeah, they're going to kill him. No, Smiley's a cub, man. They got Matt Boyd going for oh, the yeah. Tigers. Kind of the same thing, mean. That's kind of mean. But play "I'm Coming Home" by uh, Dr. Dre and Eminem, right? Yeah. Um, Oakland. Um, nothing. Estery Ruiz is a good fantasy baseball pickup. Like, not even really. I thought his at bat sucked. Yeah, but he steals bases. Yeah, when he gets on, and he doesn't get on often. See how often he gets on. How Muller looked great. There you go. There's your takeaway. Kyle Muller looked great. We're, yeah, we're a pro Muller podcast. Yeah, he really, you know, 
rough cameo with the Braves in the big leagues, um, comes over in that Sean Murphy deal, 6'7", 250, had confidence in his stuff against a really good Angels lineup. And we saw this Angels lineup put up 13 in game two and then six in game one, but they had trouble with Muller. And Muller ended up not out-dueling Otani because Otani looked way better, but the A's won that game. Yeah. The model, remember what I said, the model? It the model. The model. I get uh, it. Definitely go check out Ballpark Pal. It'll be live on just baseball soon, but until then, you can check out ballparkpal.com. Uh, the Mariners. They were underwhelming, um, but my big takeaway was Luis Castillo looked like one of the best pitchers on the planet, yeah. and that was my main takeaway from them because I thought they they played well, but they got guardianed in the sense where you know they lost some games due to some unfortunate situations that tend to happen in games played by the Cleveland Guardians. For sure. But the one takeaway was I was floored by Luis Castillo. He is so entertaining. His celebrations after a strikeout, his, we say this, his moxie on the mound, the the ex-dog in him. His cojones. His, his stuff looked unbelievable. Like, he looks like one of the best pitchers in the world. He looked so good. La Piedra. Um, Logan Gilbert followed him six innings of one run ball, punched out seven, walked one. Gilbert looked good. I think Gilbert takes a massive step up this year. Um, and then I'm, I'm again, I'm really excited to watch Kirby and Detmers tonight. If Kirby looks good, if Detmers looks good, I'm not missing very many games in the AL West. That'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. Make sure to get your Just Baseball merch that is still in the description. Uh, the link is in there. Go check out our guy, Kyle Taylor Portraits. Check on me behind Mookie Quantrill Otani. He can make any player. He's a fantastic artist. His Twitter is in the episode description. Send him a message if you want one of these on your wall. I highly recommend it. Um, Definitely use our codes down there for BetMGM. Uh, Our sponsor, BetMGM. Look at that. People who are uh, watching on YouTube, check out that burly painting. Looks fantastic with the White Sox logo on the, on the so side. Good. Looks so good. Um, but other than that, great weekend of baseball. Had a blast. And for anyone um, looking to make some bets or just hear, you know, a lot of the guys at Just Baseball break down each individual game, check out our Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash Just Baseball fans. I'm live at, from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern. We've already had a lot of people tune in and watch it's a blast i have a ton of fun all the contributors have a ton of fun and the chat's going wild and people love just talking about the game so that's definitely something to check out uh with that thank you everybody